You may be seated. It's not every week that you guys are tired of listening to me talk before I even get up to preach. If you'll open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll look at the first five verses this morning. Our passage is very encouraging and it has a lot of uh, easy preaching topics, if you will, um, concepts Within it, like prayer, God's faithfulness, obedience, and the steadfast love of God. And we'll be covering those, of course. But strangely enough, these five verses in chapter 3 ended up being difficult for me to prepare a sermon for this week. It was difficult for me to break down the text into an outline to give you a theme um, and our points. I ended up having a breakthrough, however, when I stopped trying to look at this text as primarily trying to teach me something in my head about theology, so to speak, when it's actually trying to show me something about theology in my members, so to speak. Because theology that lives in your mind but not your actions is not true theology at all, just as actions divorced from knowledge is likewise not true theology. The easiest example of this is in your own salvation if you have repented and believed. The word of the gospel was preached in order for you to respond in faith, right? You had to know something before you could do something. And plenty of people claim Christianity without knowing the gospel. Just as many people know the gospel and yet never repent and believe. Our text this morning, then, is Paul demonstrating his theology, living on it, acting upon it. And we can imitate Paul as he imitates Jesus by likewise acting upon the theology that we claim to understand. And so the sermon this morning will not be something that targets your minds as much as it targets your action. Because we do not... If we do not act upon our theology, can we truly claim to have theology at all? That's when I was able to put together my brother through prayer, both leader and led toward God's faithful love. Bit wordy. I'll read it again. Bearing with one another through prayer directs both leader and led towards God's faithful love. And to understand our theme, we'll have two points this morning. We bear with one another through prayer, and bearing brothers witness the Lord's faithfulness together. Read the passage with me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and I'll be reading in the ESV translation. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing well, or doing and will do the things that we command. 
May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If you would, pray with me, and we'll hop into the text. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, thank you for the example of Paul, that we can imitate him as he imitates Jesus. Father, I pray that our hearts would be softened as we approach your text this morning, as my heart was softened as I prepared this sermon this week. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we get to pray. Amen. We'll look at our first point together. We bear with one another through prayer. I'll read verses 1 and 2 again. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. There are a few things going on here in these verses, but we know one thing for sure, one thing that it doesn't take rocket science to discover. Paul is asking that the Thessalonians would pray, right? But just like always, Paul is not simply asking us to pray in passing. Just as is typical of Paul, there's some subtext to his call to prayer. Paul desires us to pray continually. Not only should we pray continually, but by the words Paul uses in the Greek, he is implying that we should join him as Paul is already praying. Paul is not asking us to pray instead of praying himself, but rather he is inviting the Thessalonians to join him as he prays for these things. Now, to explain how we bear with one another through prayer, let's first run through quickly what Paul is even asking for. What is he even praying about, right? So the first is, may the word speed ahead. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Pretty straightforward. Interestingly to me, though, the word speeding ahead does not seem to imply the letters that Paul has written. That was my first thought when I was looking at the passage. When I see that the word would speed ahead as it happened among you, my first thought was, well, I mean, Matt's been talking about these letters that, you know, Paul's been sending to the Thessalonians for the past few weeks. But Paul, commentators seem to agree, that Paul's not referring to his own writings, to where he's headed, but rather he is presuming that local believers would be sharing the gospel before he arrives. Let no one fault you, then, for impersonal prayers for a community, region, or country where you ask God to let the gospel go forth, even if you don't have any personal relationships to that place, country, or region. Paul so believed in the priesthood of all believers that he assumed that the gospel would reach his destination by normal Christians like us, not through just the works of Paul, the super-Christian apostle, right? So that means 
that if Paul were alive today, he would naturally assume that every member of Cedarview was taking every opportunity to share Jesus with our community. Would he be accurate in that assumption? You wouldn't be accurate of that for me. The Paul, Paul's then uh, next ask is, may the word be honored. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may be, speed ahead and be honored. Furthermore, Paul asks that the word of the gospel be honored among those who hear it. The word honored can also be translated glorified. Okay? And Paul is asking that all those that hear the saving message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection would respond with repentance, belief, and worship of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So not only does Paul pray that the gospel would be preached by normal Christians like everyone in here, but he prays that the hearers of this gospel would respond in faith and bow down to the only true God, Jesus Christ. Paul then encourages the Thessalonian brothers, noting that this response of repentance and belief is exactly what he found when he visited Thessalonica. Hey, I want them to repent and believe like you guys did, right? This may seem like a small detail, but I've found myself this week, as I've prepared, more and more challenged by this model of prayer. I would love to model my prayers for the lost to include these elements that Paul has here. Prayer for the gospel to be preached ahead of me, that my evangelism target, so to speak, would have already had other believers that I don't even know about preaching the gospel to them. I want to pray for that specifically. I don't know that I have. That the gospel would be honored and that the hearers of the gospel would repent and believe and worship. I've prayed for that, and you probably have too. But also, that I would share these prayers with you all and other Christians and use these prayers to specifically encourage you in all the ways that you currently repent, believe, and worship. And I don't know that I do. Not as well as I think I could. To pray for lost souls, but to specifically include members of Cedarview, that we can mourn together when they reject the gospel and rejoice together when they repent and believe. To include the family of God in the prayers of his people. Which brings me to Paul's last ask, so to speak. May we be delivered. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Finally, Paul pleads with his brothers that he and his companions would be delivered from evil, faithless men who would try to hold them back from the advance of the gospel. Again, let no one fault you when you pray for ease, deli deliverance, or help. Praying for deliverance is not cowardly or selfish if you are seeking this ease, deliverance, or help with the goal of seeing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ going forth without any hindrances. So the real question of conviction, then, is not whether you should have the freedom or not have the freedom to ask God for ease, deliverance, or help. Ask. 
Because obviously, you both can go to the Father for these things, and you should go to the Father for deliverance, for help, for peace. But the real question is, and what should light a fire in your belly, is what will I do with the ease, deliverance, or help that I receive from the Lord by faithful prayer? Because clearly, Paul took every bit of help that he received from God, and he used it for the sake of his brothers in Christ and for the gospel to be preached to the lost. So ask for deliverance, church. Ask for ease, church. Ask for money. But are you asking for your own selfish gain? Or are you asking that you might bless brothers and sisters in Christ? And use what God gives you for the sake of seeing God's kingdom expand, for the gospel to go forth. If you're like me, that question stings a little bit, okay? But let's bring these ideas together to directly address our point. We bear with one another through prayer. So we ran through what Paul is asking for in prayer broadly. As we've seen, Paul is simply inviting the Thessalonians to do what he's already doing. Paul's already praying this stuff, right? So he's just saying, hey, I'm already doing this. You guys want to join me? You want to come with me on this journey of prayer? Paul has already been praying that the word would speed ahead, that it would be honored, that it would be delivered. Inviting the Thessalonians in was not only to demonstrate the faith of Paul regarding the power of prayer, but it will be confirmed in our second point that Paul invited these brothers and sisters in an effort of discipleship for the Thessalonians. But Cedarview, we do not invite others to pray for our burdens only to address our own needs. We invite others to pray for what we are already praying for, and in doing so, we share our burdens with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In doing so, not only are we being obedient to bring these requests before God, God in heaven, but we also see the design of God's church, what he's doing here at Cedarview, as we are able to bear one another's burdens and rejoice together when God answers prayer and to mourn together when he answers just not in the way that maybe we uh, would have preferred. So to be clear, for all those who winced in pain when I asked, what then do you do with the prayers God has answered? Take this opportunity to rejoice. Paul has given us the most natural way to use our prayers for the good of God's kingdom. Invite others into your prayer. As we bear with one another through prayer, we are able to take our prayer life that is typically understood to be personal beyond just serving our own needs. And now even our own needs are tools in the hands of God to strengthen and encourage his church as we bear the burden of our needs together. So keep having needs, church. Keep asking God to help you with your needs, church. To invite other members to share the burden of those needs with you. And in doing so, you will see 
the bonds of faith were stronger between you and other church members. Prayer then is positioned in our text this morning as something far from small or insignificant. Prayer is placed at the first priority for these brothers. Not only was it prayer, was prayer a priority for the answers that it would bring from their faithful God, but prayer was also a priority as a means to bind God's people together and to unite them with one voice in the worship of God. That they can pray together and that they can rejoice together and that they can weep together and that they can bear one another's burdens together. The family of God operates, it's no secret, as a family. Just as you would go to your mother, your brother, your cousin, your uncle. Go to your church members. Let them bear burdens with you. So for those of you that are like me, we have to stop downplaying prayer. I talk about all the time how Stephanie is an encouragement to me in prayer. I don't know that our children will look upon me as I am now and say that my father prayed continually. My father reflected Paul in praying always. But they'll look at Steph and say that of her right now. Stephanie has been an encouragement and a sanctifying agent in my life to bring prayer outside of, man, just something that I check a box for. I struggle. I put everything in boxes, guys. Boxes are how I live my life. To pray continually, to have active communication with the Lord my God that I have access to, that I can go to the King. And I set that privilege aside so often for, as Matt tells us repeatedly, lesser things, right? Submit to the truth of God's word this morning and repent with me of our faithlessness regarding prayer and its daily role in our lives. Not only our daily personal prayer, but daily prayer for our family of believers here at Cedarview. I have literally reminders in my phone to remind me to pray for you guys because I am so bad at just doing it naturally that I have to set up systems to remind me to pray for you all. So God help me to make me a better pastor that I can pray for you without reminders in my phone, right? So join me in this journey of praying more faithfully and to join you all in what you are praying for as well. Bearing, one another's, bearing with one another through prayer directs both leader and led towards God's faithful love. And we bear with one another through prayer. But by welcoming the Thessalonians into his prayers, Paul was able to invite his brothers into our second point also... Bearing brothers, witness the Lord's faithfulness together in verses 3 through 5. I'll read verses 3 through 5, and you read along with me. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 
And we have confidence in, this, in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If you haven't figured it out, this is a very careful text. And I say careful not in the sense of walking delicately or doing something gently, but I mean literally that these verses are full of care. Studying verses 3 through 5, it really shaped my perspective of the text as a whole, and I'd like you to see what Paul does here. His plea for prayer and his invitation to the Thessalonians to bear with him was not the goal, but rather it was the means. Paul uses his genuine concern and possibly fear as an opportunity to invite his brothers to join him in prayer, but not simply for the sake of his own needs, which hey, would have been valid enough. But Paul goes out of his way to use his concerns and his request for prayer as a teaching opportunity to further encourage his brothers and sisters by bearing burdens together in prayer with him. So what we see here is a master class not in pastoral care, but in brotherly affection. To say that again, Paul did not do this because he was just a good pastor or a good apostle, but rather Paul took this opportunity because he was a good friend and brother in Christ. Now with that in mind, we'll read the text again and go as we go and explore how bearing brothers witness the Lord's faithfulness together with three more subpoints. And our first subpoint, observing the Lord's faithfulness, but the Lord is faithful. He opens these verses, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. As we've discussed already, Paul makes a shift in his letter away from requesting prayer for himself and toward encouraging his brothers and sisters. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. You see the transition there? Having asked in verse 2 to be delivered from faithless men, Paul makes an obvious contrast from faithless men to our faithful God. The God who would ultimately deliver him and these Thessalonian Christians. But Paul doesn't say that he would be delivered from the evil one, but that the Thessalonians would be delivered, right? So he's asking to be delivered from these faithless men. But the Lord is faithful, he said, And you will be delivered from the evil one. Paul implies here that he's so certain of his own security in the hands of a faithful God. And the Thessalonians also should find such security in Paul's reminder. Paul uses his own communication into his own struggles as an opportunity to welcome the Thessalonians into the security and peace that Paul has. Paul knew that God is faithful. Paul knows that he'll be delivered from these faithless men. Or he won't, and he'll die a martyr. And Paul will be cool with that too. Right? Paul knows that inasmuch as he is obeying the Lord, the Lord will providentially secure his path. But he welcomes these Thessalonian brothers and sisters in to pray with him for these things. 
so that they too can witness the Lord's faithfulness in Paul's life. Paul will use the security that he has found in our faithful God and that security to encourage the Thessalonians in our second subpoint that God-given confidence about you. In verse 4, Paul says that we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. He says here explicitly what he implied in verse 3. I have confidence that the Lord will deliver me unto his sovereign plan and share Jesus with the lost, proclaims Paul. But I have this same God-given confidence about you, brothers and sisters, who have repented and believed and have been faithful to preach the gospel as commanded. And this is, is this not what you want to hear from older brothers and sisters in Christ? Represented in this room are many different relationships with fathers, mothers, whatever um, role models, caretakers. Some of you were raised by your grandparents. Some of you have believing parents. Some of you don't. Some of us had parents that remained married. Some of us divorced. Some of our parents are alive. Some of our parents have died. Some parents were supportive. Other parents were abusive. But consider the power that our parents wield or fail to wield with their words. Consider the power in the simple words, I'm proud of you. Right? Maybe you've received some sort of encouragement from someone in this way, and you recognize the power of these words from experience. And for others, maybe you have not had a father, mother, or older individual share these words with you, and you long for such a day that you can hear these words from a man or woman you respect. But whether you have heard these words or will ever hear these words in this life, brothers and sisters, listen to me now. Every single one of you, if you have repented and believed in the Lord Jesus and you pursue your Savior to the end of your race, from the only Father that has been with you from conception to the grave, caring for you and directing your steps even as you fled from him, from the Father who sees you in your darkest moments and knows your darkest secrets, from the Father who granted your greatest celebrations in this life, from the Father that knows you better than you know yourself, that understands you in ways that you do not understand yourself. From our Father in heaven, we who have repented and believed will hear, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And he will say so not because you are so wonderful. But he will look at you and behold the blood of Jesus covering you. And you will hear, well done, my son, my daughter. So Cedarview, Paul was not simply a Baptist preacher who couldn't help but turn everything into a sermon. The Thessalonians were facing brutal, physical persecution. 
The Thessalonians were almost certainly making various blunders, various mistakes. The Thessalonians were struggling against believing false teaching. They were giving up their jobs because, God help us, Jesus is coming back soon, right? And church, the Thessalonians needed an encouraging word from a man they trusted, from a father in the faith. And so Paul reflected our Father in heaven and encouraged his little brothers and sisters in the faith. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. The Kyle translation of the Greek here, I'm proud of you. I praise God for you. You're doing a good job. Even knowing the various ways that they fall short. You know what Paul's going to go into immediately following these five verses? He's going to be slapping them upside the head saying, get a job. Right? Get off your butt. Go get a job. Right? But here, he can truly say, Inspired of God, inerrantly. We have this confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. I'm proud of you. And continuing in this encouragement, we see the last sub point May God direct your hearts. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. We find the subtitle of our sermon series in verse 5. Hearts directed towards the love of God, right? Paul prays for God to bless his family in Thessalonica. But how do we understand what Paul is praying for here? I'm convinced that Paul, in his care for these brothers and sisters, wants the Thessalonians to have the same confidence that he has, that Paul has in his God. Paul's prayer, then, communicates precisely what gives Paul his confidence in God. Paul doesn't pray for supernatural ability, skill, or knowledge. Paul places no confidence in his own abilities, even though if anyone could, it'd be him. Dude had the first five books of the Bible memorized, like Genesis to Deuteronomy, memorized. Not just, oh, hey, like... Give me, you know, give me an hour and I can say, like, he could just say it. Isn't that wild? We struggled to memorize individual verses. He had Leviticus, guys, numbers. Some of the hardest books to read, let alone memorize. He places no confidence in his own abilities, nor does he have confidence in what the Thessalonians bring to the table. But Paul knows that the only source of power capable of overcoming persecution, hatred, torture, and death is not a power within, but a power outside of ourselves. The only source of strength that we have access to, Christian, to overcome the trials of this life is the love of God and the steadfastness of Jesus. But I praise God that I need not rely on my own endurance to run this race to the end, but I lean on Jesus alone. 
Praise God. And praise God that I need not conjure up some special words, phrases, or rituals to create a love for this God. But rather, our God, who is love, pursues us as his people and welcomes us into the love that he initiated. I don't have to create love for God. God is love, and I become one with him. Paul betrays the secret recipe of the Christian life here, guys. The secret sauce is bearing with your brothers through trials, burdens, and prayers so that you may together behold the faithfulness of our Lord together. The leader is not above the lead, and those who have someone that follow them can follow Paul's model here. Pray with your brothers and sisters, encourage them, and tell them that they have done well. And don't be confused. As I said before, this is not just pastoral care. This is brotherly care. This is not a sermon that I'm preaching to Matt alone. This is a preaching. This is a text. This is an encouragement to any of us who have repented and believed. If you have repented and believed, you can find someone that you're a few steps in front of. You can encourage them. You can pray with them. You can communicate. Hey, you're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. And you should be hungry to lead and be led because bearing with one another through prayer directs both leader and led towards God's faithful love. And bearing brothers witness the Lord's faithfulness together. As we conclude, I want to bring some of these applications sprinkled throughout the sermon together. As we bear with one another through prayer, I want to challenge us in two different ways. Okay? Let us be challenged to pray daily for our families and church family. So that we, like Paul, can invite others into prayers that we are already praying. So when we're asking for prayer requests... I want you guys to be challenged personally as I was. Am I bringing a prayer request before God's people that I haven't prayed for yet? Oof. But don't be quick to make this a false law for yourself that leads you to condemnation, but rather allow your failures to pray daily, give you an opportunity to share that struggle with another church member who is also struggling to pray daily because... I can tell you, there's a lot of people in this room that would struggle to pray daily as well. <laughs> and it would be an encouragement to them to know that, yeah, I've been struggling this week to pray every day for my family and for my church family. Second, as we pursue God in personal prayer, let us be challenged to consider ways that we can let certain church members into personal matters of prayer so that they can bear with you. Now, this doesn't need to be secret diary-level communication, okay? This is not your, again, deepest, darkest secret that you need me to put on the screen next Sunday. Talking about tangible things, tangible areas of concern in the coming week, month, year. Something that is 
weighing on you enough to personally pray for that you can just invite someone else to pray with you, okay? It doesn't have to be secrets. It doesn't even have to be private, really. It could be public knowledge. Anything that's weighing on you, invite brothers and sisters to join you in prayer. And as we bear with our brothers to witness the Lord's faithfulness together, I want to challenge us in two more ways. Let us be challenged to identify younger men and women, to develop close enough relationships to be able to truly say, hey, I'm proud of you. To give you some clarity, what I mean is if you cannot give two or three specific ways that you are proud of this individual, maybe you need to get to know them a little better, right? And that's not a problem. That's a good thing. Get to know them well enough that you can say, as an older brother or sister, or as a father in the faith, or a mother in the faith, hey, I'm proud of you. I've seen how the Lord has sanctified you. I'm proud of you. And let us be challenged to grow as older brothers and sisters in our own faith and confidence in our faithful God, just as Paul had. And I don't mean to say that you need to be perfect, okay? I think a lot of us keep ourselves from investing in younger men and women because we feel like we need to meet some special threshold, right, of spirituality. Like, oh, I'll leave that to more professional Christians, like some better folks, right? But I would challenge you to ask God in prayer. Ask him to increase your faith. Ask God to give you faith and confidence in him that can be an encouragement to younger brothers and sisters. Many of us in here have endured many trials, many adversities, many tribulations. And your perseverance through those things, let me tell you, if, you, if no one has ever told you, your perseverance through those adversities is encouraging for me or any other brother and sister to hear. Ask God to increase your faith. And if you feel inadequate, share that prayer with your brothers and sisters, maybe in your Sunday school class. Because I guarantee Whatever group of Christians you find yourself in, if you raise your hand and say, hey, group of Christians, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel adequate to pour into younger men and women. You know what every other hand in that room is going to do? Oh, yeah, I don't either. Except for, you know, that one John Doe that said, oh, well, I feel adequate. And then you all kind of look at each other and, you know, talk about him when he leaves, even though you shouldn't. Right? None of us feel ad adequate. Matt and I, I can tell you, don't feel adequate. <laughs> Encourage your brothers and sisters. Ask God to increase your faith. Our theme this morning was bearing with one another through prayer directs our leader and led, directs both leader and led towards God's faithful love. 
And I hope you've been encouraged this morning as I have been in preparing for this text. <clears throat> and I hope that our hearts will be convicted towards more intentional prayer as mine has. And that we would one another, each other, more faithfully and more joyously as we go. And if you do not know Jesus this morning, then unfortunately this sermon wasn't really for you today. But if you desire to know this Jesus and to enter into this community that I've been describing all morning, then you can know him today by repenting and believing the good news that he has brought. But the good news is not that you have failed. The good news is, that, is not that you are not a Christian. The good news is that you can become one. By believing that Jesus lived the life that we fail to live, he took the punishment for sin that you and I deserve. He died and was raised on the third day that we can also conquer death and find new life in him. If you would like to respond to the word this morning, Matt and I will be ready to receive you and speak with you. Do not leave the preaching of God's word without responding here with us or remaining seated and praying to the Lord that will hear your cries of repentance. Love you, church. If you would, pray with me. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you have given us a community to bear with one another, to pray for one another, to family one another. Father, thank you that you have worked sanctification through the means of your people for one another of us here. Thank you for all the ways that Cedar View has shaped me, grown me, and encouraged me. Thank you for these members that have communicated with me, that have lifted me up, that have prayed for me. And Father, I pray that we can continue doing that for one another. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we get to pray. Amen. <clears throat> we'll just go with these. I encourage you guys to pray daily this week. Like, do these things this week. Invite church members into that prayer. Identify a young man or a young woman within our church family to invest time in and to develop a relationship that you can encourage them and ask God to grow your faith. I've been challenged with these things this week and uh, I pray that you guys would be encouraged and challenged likewise as you go today. Thank you, church. Again, love you. I'm encouraged by you even with our slow, uh, low attendance today. So go be encouraged from the word of God this morning and sing blessings.